Welcome to IPU Podcast. I am your host, Jay Tissy. And I'm Agape Pamiro. This is a show about business owners, philanthropists, and influencers in the African diaspora. Every dream begins with a dreamer, and we're here to share the stories behind their movement. So sit back, relax, learn a thing or two, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, IPU listeners. We're back with another good episode this week. Uh, we have another returning guest, and I'm really excited about having her back. She is a woman full of gems. She drops them every Thursday on her new talk show on YouTube, BTT, Baton Talk with Tabitha. She's the founder and executive director of EJA Foundation. Um, she is currently pursuing her doctorate in clinical psychology. She's a mother. And she is also my sister. Welcome to the show, Tabitha Mamira. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. Excited to be back. Right? I'm surprised you came back. I am too. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> the shade of it all. Wow. Okay. Well, let's get right into it, buddy. Um, I mentioned that you are a new... You've added another title on your resume. Talk show host of Baton Talk with Tabitha. How did that come about, and what is that all about? Tell us a little bit about that. Ooh, I don't know about talk show hosts. It's a lot. Listen, <laughs> but, don't downplay it. <laughs> well, what happened was, as I was preparing to do my TED Talk, it just came to me that a lot of um, the exercise I was doing or while I was trying to put my story together what did I want to say how much what it just occurred to me that my story doesn't start with me I knew I wanted to share part of my story but I knew it didn't start with me and then I came into um find I came to find out a story about my mom that was closely linked with mine and I know there are many more that I don't know then I realized all this um in a generational cycles and the one that we had in common was that of silence and so the analogy of a baton when you're running a relay you're passing on a baton the next person grabs it and just takes off there's no time to stop and think and see what they whatever they hand you you take off and for generations we've been handing something down and everybody takes off we hand it over in genetics we hand it over in culture we hand it over in language and we all take off and build another generation and so on and so forth. And so I realized that her silence of her experience was one of the batons I'm take, I had taken off with. Mm. So it takes one person to break that cycle. So then the next generation doesn't receive that. Um, so that's how that title came about. And then I was inspired because like culture I come from and I know the work I do around sexual violence, it is um, mainly uh it's one of the uh, the issues that have silence all around it and so i wanted to be if one person can break the silence if one person can start healing if one person can look at the baton they've been handed and clean off all the extra things that no longer serve them my purpose my vision and my um reason for being on earth would be achieved so that's why i started that so i can encourage inspire and open up a space that we all can break the silence around the batons we have been given mm. wow that's that's amazing um i feel like a lot of people get a lot of ideas similar ideas to what you to what you're doing right um and they want to do it and you know but for whatever reason, it, it just never comes to fruition. You know, either they stop themselves, they overthink it. But what do I have to say? Well, at least for you, you're qualified in the sense of the school and the work that you're doing, right? Um, but did you have any doubts uh, before you started? Did you think to yourself, uh, maybe people won't tune in, you know, maybe I'll just be... Because I think you started out doing lives, right? Um, Instagram lives and then you turn it to a YouTube channel still live yeah okay um, yeah did you ever have any doubts <laughs> questioning yourself you know if people are gonna tune in if you know maybe I'll run out of content anything like that because I know a lot of people who 
who want to create and somehow they always end up stopping themselves before they even start the work because they they just think that it's not going to be successful oh yeah i mean <laughs> well i have two answers for you so i i have the um textbook answer that is inspiring and all perfect and then i have reality so mm -hmm. my reality is i'm thinking what the heck do i know about this like all i have is my experience right um, and then two oh how can i do this on a weekly basis um like all the things you're saying well people tune in um uh, Will I make sense? Am I even, you're you, you saying I have the experience and the education, but even that to me, it's not enough. I'm a student, I'm still learning every day. And you know, when you're in school, part of your professor's job is to make you feel like you don't know anything so you can mm -hmm. learn more. And so every day, I'm in all these different spaces where some people look at me as an expert in some way. And then in my other life, it's like, girl, you don't know nothing. Like you still have to pass exams and you can't remember what this definition of this is. And so all of that is going around in my head. Um, and so part of that, how I overcome that, I never watch anything I do. Even my TED talk. Really? I, I don't watch anything I do. And that's how I keep doing it. Because if I watch one episode, <laughs> I know I just let my secret out. That's how I keep going. <laughs> Nothing is worse than watching yourself talk <laughs> like for me but then i feel like how do you better yourself if you don't watch and see oh i i messed up on this or i can do better in this i have a tribe da, 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 da. of trusted okay. individuals who know me so they can say that was not authentic they can say well you know how you do that or your hands or whatever so i'm always asking for feedback for those people who will not hold back um, and mm. they are the listeners so they can see that better. If I watch that myself, the whole thing is not going to be good enough. And then I won't show up next week. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, did you see what you were doing <laughs> with your eyes and your hands? And you're saying a lot of arms and, oh, you couldn't even remember that word. What are you thinking? Oh my God. I know struggles real. Everybody, mm. even the people we look up to go through this, I think in different levels, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's that's still a, a reality that I found a way out to continue doing it. Why do I continue doing it? Or how did I get that um, push to show up and show up weekly? One is it aligns with my purpose. Mm. And so my calling in life, if I die tomorrow or if I'm on my deathbed, I for each one of us, we have to have that measure of what a good life was what is it that you're called to do that when you look back because if you can't measure it you don't know that you're living your best life right and so mm -hmm. for me mine is to inspire others to pursue their own healing and that's greater than my perfectionism that's greater than my eloquence that's greater than a pat on the back that's so if one person shows up or if two only two people ever watch that youtube video and they go out and seek therapy or pursue some type of healing, then I did my job. I, I'm good. So I'm not pushed by numbers or by approval. I'm not gonna lie, it always, it's always nice and it boosts your self-esteem yeah. and all of that. I'm not saying like, oh, I, I don't need not, none of that. I, I'm awakened, I'm beyond that. No, th those always <laughs> feel good when people are like, wow, that was wonderful. You did great. But mm -hmm. even if it doesn't happen and I get one person calling me and I have, and that's another reason I keep showing up. People say, whoa, I never looked at that in my life. Where can I go? How do I find a therapist? Why do I need to do this? Those are the little North stars. You know, that's the map that keeps guiding me and it's greater than my um, self-esteem or self whatever messages I keep telling myself that I'm not good enough. Mm. Wow. So I'm glad that you actually open about your, your struggles, right? Um, because that's part of the thing that one of the main topics that I want us to focus on today is the imposter syndrome, which we all suffer from mm -hmm. some people more than others, but we all do. So first, what is imposter syndrome? And then we will, I will kind of, dive into it a little bit more 
because I feel like it's taking over our generation more than other, uh, more than other generations, or maybe our generation are more open open about it than than the past generations. But what is imposter syndrome? I think uh, at the core is that idea that you don't belong, you are not good enough for whatever that place is. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be where you are. Um, you're an imposter. That's all it is. You feel <laughs> like you are an imposter. I you am, feel like a phony. Yes. Like I'm putting on this psychologist hat, but I don't know anything about Low this. Low key. I don't know what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> and that kicks in a lot in different spaces mm-hmm. for different people. Um, if you're with people who are more educated than you, then you feel like, ooh. I don't know those big words. I shouldn't say anything. Like, am I even supposed to be here? <laughs> Are they sure? <laughs> um, I've been invited to speak in some spaces, and then I see all the other speakers. I'm like, uh, uh. I'm like, I'm starting to I, feel I think they're mistaken. I got corona. Listen. I think your tummy. I don't know. I just got something. I gotta go. <laughs> like, okay, this is. A- these people are on something. I don't think they knew. There's, there might be another Tabitha somewhere that they were thinking of. I, mm. Not this one. So, yeah. Just feeling like you're fake and you're made, made in China. I apologize if we have any Chinese listeners. I doubt we do. But if we do, I'm sorry. I mean. Um but facts are facts, you know. So, anyway, <laughs> oh what an God. apology! <laughs> Backhanded one. Um, <laughs> back to this. I'm trying to be professional, Tabby. Like this, you're not helping me out. Okay, mm-hmm. so you feel like a phony. What are some of the common signs uh, that you're you can easily point out and say, "Oh my God, I think I'm suffering from imposter syndrome." I, I know you mentioned self-doubt as one. Yeah. What and, are others? And I think like everything else in life, it all comes from our minds. These are all thoughts that we make up. And then we have these core beliefs about who we are and then about the situation. And then we, the thoughts turn into the feelings and they turn into behaviors. So I'm thinking I'm not good enough to be here. And I'm like, now I get a little anxious about what, I, what I'm about to do. So even the little things I knew, I forget that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and that results in the behavior of either trying to back out of it or not challenging yourself. So it's the thoughts. Um, Mm. And some of those thoughts are like, uh, I don't deserve this credit. Uh, Wow, I suck. I'm never going to be great. I'm I'm not good enough to do this. Was I just lucky? Is this a... Whatever you tell yourself, uh, that's where it starts, the self-messages. And once you tell your brain something... I talked about this on BTC, like whatever you put after I am, it's your own message. It's your own programming because, you know, they use that whole metaphor of uh, your brain being a computer and you're you're the programmer. What you put Mm. in is what it keeps. It's not going to come up with stuff on its own. So the more you're like, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. You're like, you're telling it what to do and how to react and how to respond. So when you have imposter syndrome, that's continuously, you're telling it, you can't handle this. Why are you even here? And it's like, oh, you're right. Shut down. So, Mm. mm -hmm. and then you feel that physiologically, you start feeling that acting on it behaviorally and so on and so forth. Because ultimately our words create our reality. Amen. Um, So I feel like, do you think culture plays a huge role in that? Because I remember when we were kids, when somebody gave you a compliment, you know, somebody said, oh, you're so cute. Your parents were like, oh, don't tell her that. She'll get a big head, <laughs> right? And they felt like that, that was a way to humble you. But do you think that played a role? You know, as you become an adult, you don't know what to do with, with um, compliments. Even when people compliment your work, you kind of downplay, like you said, oh, that's nothing. You should, you should see the other person's work. Yeah. Oh, no, I got lucky. So c- can you kind of uh, explain to us how culture uh, plays a huge role when it comes to this syndrome? For sure. One of my uh, favorite um, quotes about this by Dennis Waitley, he says, 
it's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are not. And so mm. when it comes to culture, when it comes to society at large, your immediate family, your friends, and all of that, there's been bad programming from day one that, you know, it's like, if I give you too many compliments, your head is going to get big or especially, I guess I can speak for, um, Rwandan, Ugandan culture, but I generally African culture is known to do that. Um, you get an A plus and they're like, Oh, praise God. You don't do well. That's when you get the attention. Um, Are you stupid? Right. What is this? (laughs) Oh, you're so dumb. And then you, um, when you push yourself and challenge yourself and make two places, or then there is the gender issue. If, if you're too confident, even other girls have been socialized to, oh, you're cocky or you're this, you know, there are all these, um, there's all this language around anybody who's confident that is negative, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can't act like, you know, you're cute. You can't act like, you know, you're smart. Then you're, you know, then we confuse humility for um, this negative thoughts or the negative messaging, you know, so we think we're helping people become humble, but instead we're really reprogramming their brain from a young, especially at a young age, you know, we're Mm -hmm. always looking for those reinforcers. That's how behavior sticks. That's how you view yourself from the people, we're reflections of each other. So if people mm-hmm. that you admire and you love and are guiding you are constantly telling you you're not good enough, eventually that becomes your, your, your song. Those are the lyrics to your, the song of your life. They are giving you what messages to take. So if we take it in a bigger context, like in the U.S., where black people, the media, the power of media and communication is all, you're less than. You're not smart enough. You are this. And then you go to schools and the teachers are doing the same thing. And then you go out and police is doing the same thing. And the movies are doing the same thing. And then this kid is smart and makes it to Ivy League somehow. But all the messages are so real. And it's kind of challenging. And the first thing's like, well, it is affirmative action. You know, it shouldn't be here. And that, mm. for a lot of them, they've shared. I mean, even Michelle Obama shared that story about herself and becoming. Right. So, yeah, they it becomes your own tape that continues to play constantly, and you have to be conscious to undo that. Mm. How do you undo that? Or can you undo that? Oh, you can undo it. It's a lot of work. And that's hopefully what um, – I'm encouraging or inspiring people who listen to BTC to do is start unlearning most of those messages. First step to unlearning is awareness. You start seeing, you are aware of what uh, messages you're telling yourself. What is your own narrative about yourself? Because what we tell others sometimes doesn't match up with what's internal. And so once you're aware of, I mentioned the core beliefs, Sometimes we don't even know that. We just think, oh, I can say, oh, I'm, I'm great. I'm living a values-aligned life. And here's my role, and here's my role, and here's my role, and these are the things that I can put on my resume that show that I'm doing these things. And then at the end of the day, maybe what pushes me to do those things is the sense of unworthiness unless I can produce, which was at one point. Then I became aware what is pushing me to, to be productive. Continue, you know, what is that? That when I'm not being productive, I don't feel like I have a, a value. Like you're worthy. You're yeah. worthy of anything. So um, then once I became aware of what, what is the behavior, what is the thought behind the behavior, and what are the feelings behind that, then what is at the bottom of it all? So that awareness then pushes you to start challenging it. And that's the beginning of the work. Because once you see something, you have to do something about it. And if you don't, at least you know you're choosing it. If you're not working consciously, consistently to change something, you're choosing it. But you choose mm-hmm. it in knowingly. That's different. So awareness and then 
So once you, you once you're aware of it, um, you you are able to track the cycle, right? So if my core belief is I'm unworthy, um, then I get an opportunity that I go in and I'm thinking I'm unworthy. Now my brain believes that. So then I'm not performing at my best, right? And then, of course, because I didn't perform my best at my best, then I'm critiqued if if that's what happens or maybe fired or maybe whatever but something negative comes out of it and then that follows or i make up a reason not to go to that thing and then now i'm missing this big opportunity and then i would beat myself up for chickening out out of this then i'm depressed and then i'm back to this is why i'm so unworthy in the cycle oh my begins, God. right? That's so exhausting. Just even hearing it, I'm exhausted. Exactly. <laughs> That's what the mind is continuously doing. Then people get anxious or you fall into a real depression. And then when you're depressed, but you're not aware why or what's happening, because all of this, a lot of it is on the unconscious level. So if, you, if it's mm-hmm. not up here. So then, however you react to that, some people react to that by, okay, I'll, I'll drink a couple bottles and I don't have to think about this. What happens when you drink too much? And the next day, maybe you can't get into work on time. And now you're f- fulfilling. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then Jesus 10 Christ. years, 20 years later, you're like, why am I still doing the same thing these many years? And I'm not getting anywhere. Oh, that's why you see mm. people getting into some life-changing thing in order to really do the work. Or addiction, suicide. The biggest indicator for suicide is hopelessness. If they feel like there's no hope for me, I've been doing the same thing for the last some, however many years, and something worse happens, what's the point? Um, mm. There you go. So you become aware. You understand the cycle. How is this playing a role in your life? How is How does this serve you? Then you start working consciously to interrupt those cycles. And that's why you hear a lot about mindfulness and meditation. All of that is just one tool to help you learn how your brain and mind works by interrupting it, taking your power back. Because it keeps working with or without you. You're programming it. You're putting in whatever it needs to work with, but it's going to keep working. So the more you know, you, you get to know it, the better your, the outcomes can be. And then you have the power to control what it does or doesn't do. And this is, has this has to be an ongoing thing, you know. Lifetime. Big, yeah, because I think a lot of times you think, oh, if I put in the work, like it's just a, a weak thing and then <laughs> I'll reprogram my brain and I'll be all good. But it's something you have to be aware of constantly. Yeah. I mean, just like any muscle, right? Once we work out consistently for a long period of time, some mm-hmm. muscles stay in place and then we work to maintain so that's not as hard as when you're 300 pounds and you're wanting to build muscle. That's going to take harder work, longer, and you're probably not going to see that six pack the way you would have seen it if you maintain it, right? Mm. So it's also a muscle. You just have to, the more you work, the easier it gets. You're able to interrupt that cycle right at the beginning because it always comes with indicators. You have physiological indicators that you're starting to feel anxious. Most of us just avoid and escape. Oh, I don't feel good. What do I need? I need to do something to feel good. All right, I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to watch TV. Whatever we do, sometimes it's just a matter of Temporary asking, fix. why am I needing to do this and become bring everything to your consciousness? So the more you have that ability, the easier the work gets. It doesn't end, but it gets easier. Mm. You find ways to cope. So I feel like we, we've been talking about the imposter syndrome from the career standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is something that shows up in different aspects of your life. It can show up in a relationship. It can show up in um, any any area in your life, really. Let's touch on different areas and how it shows up in those areas. Like, let's say in a relationship. Yeah, it, it, same thing. It does exactly the same thing it does in a professional setting. So if you're dating this guy, he seems amazing, or girl, um, he's amazing. You feel like 
then it's you know maybe the first couple of days are great and all of that and back and forth then things get a little serious and the core belief kicks in i'm not worthy of such a nice guy what does he want why is he that romantic i don't know something's wrong and you start making up a story because you don't feel like <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel worthy that sounds so familiar does it though <laughs> And so we create narratives to match, and that's one way of escape too, right? So it gets uncomfortable because sometimes people don't know, they've never loved themselves, so they don't know what that should look like or what that should feel like. Mm. And when it happens, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, it's so um, new. Uh, Foreign. Foreign, thank you. And so you start making up a story why something must be wrong here. And once that story comes in, because it's being built from your core belief of I'm not good enough for this man, I'm not saying that's one reason. This is just mm-hmm. a general example because there are some men who... Anyway, so once that comes in, we're assuming this is a good man, but it's scaring you because you don't feel worthy. Then once you don't feel worthy, it feeds into the thoughts and you create a story to run. That's okay. Um, something's wrong with him. Maybe it's not good timing. Maybe we don't vibe. Whatever, whatever, and that turns into the behavior. Or maybe you start sabotaging the relationship, and then it happens. Then you feel relieved because now, oh, I was right. He couldn't even handle a little drama. He couldn't even handle my my how strong I am. Um, and it's the self fulfilling prophecy from your cycle that goes in and then now you're depressed or sad or angry or whatever the feeling that will find that so now you have to escape instead of even dealing with that you escape into something else and then you meet somebody else before you've even identified what happened on the, in the other one and cycle continues right and so if you don't know what you feel um what is at the core of why you run or why what messages you have about specific things you could be mm. triggered unknowingly and so part of what i always share for me my triggers were always i had trust issues from my mm-hmm. own messaging from my own trauma and so anybody who was serious or who was whatever i'm triggered and even though they're really nice i'm like oh I don't know. It's getting too serious. What do they want? They're ready to reel me in and hurt me. Bye. You're not going to let that happen. So I make up something to be the bad person and get out. And then you have to also put in um, to remember what they're coming in with. So they also have their own right. stuff. And you have your own stuff. And if two people are unaware of what they're holding, it's like you both are holding this bomb. You already pulled the pin and mm-hmm. then you bring them together and just one little thing that shakes it, they all go off Boom. and you go on and do it again and again and again. But so that could be tricky though, because when do you know that you're actually being, because obviously when you go into a relationship, you want to be alert, you know, you want to see these red flags. You don't want to be blinded or whatever. And this imposter syndrome has you self-doubting, but then also you're now you're questioning: Are these red flags, or is it this is is this me self-sabotaging and looking for things? That's right. Like that that's gotta be that can drive somebody crazy because now you're you're questioning everything. You're questioning yourself. You're questioning what you're looking at. You're questioning the relationship, and yeah, that's right. You... So that's the thing. If if you've been doing your own work. When you're imposter syndroming, <laughs> if that's a word, <laughs> part of the imposter syndrome is you're not trusting your own voice. Because most of the time, almost all the time, mm-hmm. nobody's telling you you're not worthy. Nobody's telling you you don't belong. They invited mm-hmm. you there for a reason. You're in that school for a reason. You are where you are for a reason. And mm-hmm. of those reasons is something you've done to get there. 
and it's some messages that told you you shouldn't believe that right so it's not based in reality so mm. another way to fight that is always look for evidence why what you think is not true actually write it down or verbalize it so when those messages come in i'm not worthy to be on this stage you tell ask yourself why are you worthy? Not why are you not? Because we have a million reasons why. We have had a mm. lot of messages why. You're black, you're an immigrant, you're whatever, whatever, whatever. You say, why am I worthy? Because I studied hard, I passed this exam, I, right? So you're reprogramming your brain to think through the things you've done to belong where you are. And right. once you've done that work and you are constantly in awareness of your thoughts, in that cycle so when you meet this man and those messages come in you're able to get out of your hind brain your automaticity of the negative thoughts and come into the logical brain so you don't react from emotions you don't react from that survival part of your brain so you're able to say why is this a red sign a red flag red sign uh, <laughs> it's late y'all my words are gone my everything okay. like, I, think, I think they know what you meant right so you're able to not just react you respond and that's part of doing the work you're saying as judy i am worthy of somebody doing abcd for me but how is you know so if this person is going above and beyond and it's a little much and you're thinking, all right, something is up. As somebody who's not doing the work, maybe you're going to say, hmm, let me look through his phone. Let me dig through his social media. Let me let me do my own um, digging in ways that are not healthy. Um, if, if you're somebody who's done your work, you're able to identify or say, we need a conversation. Let me, let's discuss about what I want to be how I want to be loved. Maybe they think that's your love language and it's not. And you're able to communicate that. And through that, the signs will come through. You don't have to. And partly the other piece that keeps coming up, uh, that came up for me is because they've taught us not to, we're, we're not all that, not to trust ourselves. We end mm. up ignoring our God-given intuition. Sometimes you can never find that evidence. You just have that weird feeling that this is. And that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Because sometimes the evidence is not always tangible. Right. It's just like just something You're in my feeling gut is it. telling me this is not right. Yeah. And that's something in your gut. It is your brain that has picked up something and it sends it into your, uh, into your body that you're able to feel it one of the nerves that connects from your back, the brainstem, all the way to your gut. And that's why we say we feel something in our gut or your your heart or whatever. There's a mm -hmm. literal biological reason that's happening. But now because you don't trust that or you're not in tune with that, you're like, oh, I'm just being dramatic or I'm just whatever, whatever. Downplay your feelings. Yeah. You downplay it, you ignore it, and we get in dangerous situations or terrible situations and do it over and over again. So that part of doing your work to your reconnecting with your whole body because the way our trauma lives in the body is the way our wisdom lives in the body. It is all there to guide us from our experiences, from our... So the positive and the negative are all within. It's where you put your energy. It's what, what are you watering? So when you do the work, you're watering those parts of you to be so connected that sometimes somebody doesn't even have to say the word. Like that energy comes in front of you like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we're, we're done. I won't even have a drink with you because <laughs> I already know. Huh. Well, listen, I'm about to have me some free therapy because <laughs> you're touching on some, uh, you know, you're touching on a lot of uh, things that I think most girls deal with. Um, and when you say that, you know, your gut feelings like, okay, I'll just, we'll stop talking general and just talk about me for a little bit. <laughs> Why not? It's your show. 
<laughs> me, me, me. <laughs> no, no, but I feel like, you know, somebody can relate to, right. my, to my struggles. So It's always easier um, to use real. Exactly, to use real real experiences. Um, like for me, I you said your issue was like trust issues. And whenever somebody was getting too close, you're, you're like, eh, you know, I gotta go. Um, I think for me, I used to, I used to tr- like really trust my intuition. I never doubted it. If I'm around somebody, it doesn't feel right. I don't even question it. I'm out. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you find yourself exiting a lot and you're like, girl, everybody got a problem. Like what's going on? <laughs> right. What's the common so denominator then, here? <laughs> like then, Okay. What, what's really happening here? You know, it, it, everybody can't be the issue. Um, your gut is must be misleading you, right? And then there's always this this common saying where they say, "Oh, when you meet somebody that's right for you, you'll know. Like mm-hmm. you won't have any doubt. Mm-hmm. You won't. There'll be no doubt in you. You'll just know it will feel right. Yada yada yada. Right? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, in, I've dated a lot of people, and I've never been I'm in somewhere long term and whatever. But I've never been with somebody where I didn't have some type of doubt. Mm-hmm. So one, I question that saying, you know, that, and a lot of people say it, but I'm like, really? How? How, Sway? And then <laughs> number two, um, when you start questioning your gut, which is something that you relied on for so long, because now people are getting in your ear, like, like maybe it's just your type, the people you go for, you know, the people you uh, give, change your type, give somebody else a chance that you would you wouldn't normally go for and I've done that like I would go for somebody that I know in a million years I would have never gone for but then you go for them and you're like this is why I would have never gone for them because here we are you know can't dress well (laughs) (laughs) no not even I'm kidding the, the, the physical part but like you know you you find yourself you don't have anything to talk about you you're not in you're not ignited by them like you don't feel the spark or whatever (laughs) yeah and you know even though they say oh it's not about the spark and yada 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 so you get so many um ideas of what this should feel like then then your your own voice starts getting lower and lower and lower and they the outsiders voices start getting louder and you just like, okay, I'm confused. I don't know what I'm doing. And now you it's almost like you're letting the wind just guide you, which is the worst uh, thing you could do for yourself because then, you know, you're going to end up lost. So with all that, I feel like I said a mouthful. Um, right. And do you have to take a break completely to deal with this imposter syndrome before you can put yourself out there again? Well, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was a lot. And I was yeah. thinking of different things you touched on. One that I want to uh, highlight is all the shoulds. Something that I should do. And then what they say happens and they, there was a lot of they, right? Yeah. So that means mm-hmm. you're taking in a lot, you know, but two, what is the one thing that all these men had in common? If you can find one, at least most of them generally. Yikes. Um, they're black. <laughs> uh, okay. Characterize of their life experience. They were so different. Everybody was so, I mean, you know them. So what do you think they had in common? Um, I'm not doing that. So this is your question to look into. Dang it, I hate therapists. What do you think? Why do you feel like that? You tell me. <laughs> well, you just said you wanted free therapy. So what you want? You know whether the work or not. <laughs> this is why I don't go to therapy. Um, what attracted no. you to all of them? Honestly, different things. Um, I'm trying to look back. Yes, uh-huh. generally, whoever you can remember quickly. Oh, the one thing that came <laughs> like quickly, I ain't got all day. Girl. <laughs> um, no, whatever. Maybe something came to your mind right away when I asked that question, and you pulled, it, you pushed it away, and now you're trying to think. I don't think maybe, too much. Maybe their sense of humor. Okay. Maybe. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, all of them. Oh, generally, mostly. For the most part, yeah. And what was the one thing that 
made you break up generally? Different reasons. Um, but generally, some, it would be like if they got too serious too quickly. Okay. Then it's like, oh, nope. Mm -mm. What do you want? You know, mm -hmm. how can you possibly know you love somebody within this time of this time frame? You know, and yeah, right. then I would question, I would question how genuine they are because I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that you could be falling in love with somebody that quickly. Why not? Because you don't know me. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like, like, let's say if we've been together for six months and all of a sudden you were talking future and you were talking our future kids, marriage, this, that, and the other. And, you know, and they had their future mapped out. Like they knew, okay, I want this many kids. You know, I see myself living here and da 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 da, -da. Like that would scare me because one. Oh, there's it, the word. Stop. That would scare you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why? Because so somebody, I don't. Sorry, I, I, let, me, let me just draw the lines as we're going. Uh-huh. So you meet somebody, you like them for their sense of humor or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Six months in, they know for sure you're it. They have names of their, your future children in a house picked out. Mm -hmm. Mind you, a lot of women would kill for this because they did a dude for 20 years and they're still waiting for that ring. So that's outside of the general thing, right? And then mm -hmm. the minute they say that, it triggers fear. Mm -hmm. what's behind the fear um a lot of things you know uh fear that first of all i don't know what they're talking about like you you you've known me for six months and you know you want to spend the rest of no, my no, life, no, no. the rest of your life with me you're making up stuff about them they obviously know what they want but they, you're scared <laughs> you don't know <laughs> <laughs> they've mentioned that so you're the one who's scared so don't tell me what they don't know what they i'm asking about judy what is behind the fear behind the fear is that they're lying that you know seven months into it they're gonna be like oh i i don't know what i was saying you know and what, or, and what would that do for you to you what would that mean about you that would suck that i've just wasted all that time or that I've actually bought into their lie, and now I'm looking dumb. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, um, I like my freedom. So whenever somebody say, whenever somebody has like that picture perfect of what our future looks like, and we're gonna live here and we're gonna do this and that, I'm like, what if I don't wanna live there? What if in a year I want to move somewhere else? You know, and then all these questions keep popping up in my head. I'm like, I'm, I'm already feeling confined by this person's idea of my future that I don't want to be a part of it. So yeah, the fears I'm here, I've heard is you feel you will be stuck, right, in this. And mm -hmm. that they might realize or that they weren't in love the way they thought they were with you. Mm -hmm. Therefore... I'm adding this part. Tell me if I'm wrong. Therefore, abandon you. Probably, yeah. Because they know now you're not it. Mm -hmm. They thought you were. Mm -hmm. So that would leave you, one, you said feeling dumb. I want to use your words. Mm -hmm. Feeling dumb, um, abandoned, and... Um, and confined. And confined. Mm -hmm. So if we had all day to do this work, where when was the last time you felt abandoned confined lied to that you can remember like if you can go back 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 in your life jeez this is a lot Another i don't know child. if i do this on the air there we go uh -huh. <laughs> so without going there right so when uh -huh. that person if you when and if you've done your work mm -hmm. and now you're able to see the person says yo six months in i am a hundred percent sure everything about this aligns for me like you are the one and blah 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 mm -hmm. and right away you're triggered mm -hmm. unconsciously mm -hmm. the brain remembers the back brain 
your your brainstem remembers the last time you were abandoned, you were um what was the other word? You were made to feel dumb and you were stuck. Mm-hmm. And it sends everything, all the signals, alarm goes off, your amygdala goes off and say, danger, run. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you're not coming back to your uh, logical mind. So you, and I know you, so I can say this for sure. You make your decisions in an emotional state and they're yep. final. <laughs> yeah. And so then sometimes when we've not done the work, we confuse our instincts with our alarm systems right Mm -hmm. and so um when that happens you've been reminded but you don't know you're being reminded of i don't know i can't say for sure unless we really go through it like you said we can't do it on air if the last time you felt abandoned was like let's say some people it was their parents Mm -hmm. who said oh we will, I'll always be here, whatever, whatever. And then that parent li- either takes off, dies. Some people take death as um, abandonment. Abandonment, right. Um, or whatever else. And that's the most hurtful time in your life. It is kept in your brain as don't ever do that again. Or if it's the first boyfriend or whatever, something significant that brought that feeling or that fear. Mm-hmm. So your brain is ready to alert you, same way you see a fire. If you put in your hand on, like, there's no way it's gonna let you put your hand on a hot stove intentionally. Mm. It's already coded. That's dangerous. So, even a child, they touch at one time. So when different experiences have been coded, and we've never taken the time to decode them and relearn that this feeling can be attached to something else. Mm. So even something that looks red, the brain can say, fire, don't touch. Because it doesn't care. Its only job is to keep you safe. So when that guy comes around and he says those words, when the last time that person who said it went ahead and did that, and it was the most hurtful time, boom, danger, run. He don't know me. How can you feel that in such a short time? But how how can you not? How do you know? Then it's not about, I'm afraid. Because then if you are in that in, uh, thinking mind, you're able to take that apart. Like, okay, he said this. I reacted like this. Why? Why? And you're able to take it apart until you get to the bottom of it. So then if you find it's this fear that maybe it's based on this other thing because you figured that out a long time ago. You're mm-hmm. able to have this conversation with him. Like, okay, we've only dated this many months. How, how do you know? I just know. And you're able to have a conversation from like, I don't trust him. How can he know? How do you, and how does mm-hmm. anybody know? He don't know me like that. Or maybe I'm this, or maybe I'm that. And what if he changes his mind? And then what if, what if, what if? And it cut you know, it generalizes and it becomes this big thing before you even have that conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Then when you do, you already made up your mind about what that means to fall in love so quickly. How do you know? And it's a whole different But story. I mean, we were, we were raised to, to, to know that that's a huge red flag when a man comes on too strongly. And you were raised by been... whom to know that? Movies? I mean, don't you not know that? Is that not a red flag for people? <laughs> right. Hey, am I the only one? No, no, no. It, somebody told us, right? That's part of the unlearning. Yeah. So who, yeah. who told us? And what was their experience with somebody who came on too fast? I think a lot of times it's other people's experiences. You know, the men that come in their lives too strong, too fast, they end up doing a lot of damage and they bounce and then it takes them so many years to recover. Right. So then you see that and you're like, oh, that won't be me, you know. Then you take that on. And so you take on somebody else's experience as your own. Yeah. And yeah. then we, we stop a, an experience or a process from happening because we are not um, ready to look at our... You know what I mean? Like, you, you're not mm. acting from 
So the, the ideal mind we want to be in, um, according to BBT, for all of us, what we should strive for is the wise mind. That, so we have three minds, that, that's how they call them. You have the logical, mm -hmm. the emotional, and the wise mind. And the wise mm. mind gets the emotions, balances it out with the logic, and makes a decision. But most of us stay in one or the other, right? I'm so angry, Got or it. I'm afraid, or I'm this, I'm feeling this, therefore I'm going to do this. Or... Mm. I mean, all the movies show us that if a guy comes on too fast, this is bad. So I'm going to use my rational mind to make a decision that this guy is a bad guy because he came into some guys. Some people just know we've had a lot of love stories where they met one the first day and this guy's like, I know this is my wife. And actually, they're good friends of ours who just both passed away in a span of three weeks from each other. He said he saw her first time in cafeteria in college, college, high school. And they've been, they were married till they died and they both died close to 90. Jesus Christ. Right? And he's like, I saw her one day and right away I knew it and found a way to approach her. We did it since we were freshmen in college. And so is that, can that be generalized? No. Is it hmm. usual? You know what I mean? Then That's an exception though, right? Like it's not the rule. Exactly. So how hmm. do you know your, your situation is not? So you're able to get, okay. There are more flags than just the timing. You know what I mean? So of course, I know mm -hmm. we're only using a tiny little example. Right, if right. If we had the time to really think through the whole relationship. Yeah. Sometimes there's more to it than just he said he loved me after six months or he wanted to marry oh, me after sure. six months. Yeah. So, but with all of that, too. So that's where if you're able to get in your uh, rational mind and your emotional mind to make a decision versus letting a lot of your unconscious do the decisions for you because you're not aware of all that is at play. We usually, our minds, we only see the tip of the iceberg. All the mm. work is done underneath. And then we think we're making these decisions when they've already been made for us to help us survive. So that's part of the work. So stop surviving and start thriving. thriving. There it is. Got it. So it's exhausting than just all this talking. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Right? It's Jesus a lot of work. Because you don't even realize like all the trauma you're carrying around yes. until you start digging. That's why I think sometimes people don't even want to dig. They don't want to find out. They're like, you know what? Let it stay buried. I'm good. And that's the I'm sad part. And that's, mm -hmm. why the, this, that's why I'm so determined to do this. Because it's not buried. It's still running your life. It's still that informing that fear. Mm -hmm. It's what's informing how and where and when you relate to people. It's what's informing sometimes even the career you get in. And you have mm. no idea what's happening. Uh, it's informing how you respond to addiction. It's always at work until you bring it to your consciousness. It has more power locked away. We think it's locked away. Mm. They're not. Into your disease. People have migraines for a lifetime. Some people, whatever, back aches, high blood pressure, whatever, you name it. Heart problems. Because it's locked away. And some people have gone to doctors for years. And the doctors can't find anything then they're like all right maybe you should go see a therapist because it has real life implications so it's scary because you know it's a lot and some people have gone through some real stuff they're like oh where do i even begin and professional help is the only way because they take you through it in such a compassionate way and in a a professional, they, they've studied this. They're not going to just throw you in with, all right, mm. let's bring your darkest moment out first. We're excited about this. No, it's how do we <laughs> help you? One, we first give you the coping skills. Yeah. That when it gets bad, you have something to fall back onto. And then we start processing when you're ready, when your body is ready, when your mind is ready to handle it. But the longer you leave it locked away, it is not locked. There is windows, there's vents, there's all kinds of stuff that's letting something out and it's informing your whole life, manifesting all kinds of ways. 
Mm. I, yeah, I, I think honest, and you know what, there, there's the obvious stuff where people have gone through, you know, like sexual assault, molestation, whatever, like the big things where you're like, oh, that person definitely needs therapy. And then I think there is certain things uh, for our community, the African community that we grew up seeing thinking it's the norm or, you know, not the norm, but it's everywhere. So it's like, yeah, everybody dealt with it. It's not a big deal. Forgetting that everybody takes things differently. Yeah. You know, we can experience this same exact childhood and yes. you turn out a certain way and I turn out a certain way and you wonder what happened. Like, you know, they grew up in the same household. They saw the same things. Why is this person like this? And I was talking to a, a friend of mine and he was talking about all this um, abuse that he witnessed as a child, like all the neighbor, neighbor, neighboring women, I guess, his mom's friends, their husbands used to hit them all the time, like, you know, beat them all the time. But it was the norm, you know, like I grew up hearing them crying, they'll come to my mom. Or, you know, the days that they didn't get hit, they would say, oh, my husband loves me. Today he did this, you know, like they're their expectation stick where how they measured love was so limited because that's what they were introduced to. Right. And he's like, to find a woman like that, pleasing them would be so easy because you just do the basic stuff and they'll just be like, Oh my God, you know, I found my Prince Charming. Uh-huh. And he's like, and yet if you find a woman who hasn't gone through their experiences and you do those basics, they'll be like, Oh my God, step up your game. You uh-huh. know, what is this? And we were just talking about it. I'm like, wow, do you realize the way you're talking about it just sounds like it, it was so normal for you. He's like, it was. You know, we didn't even question it until much later. You're like, oh, my God. That was my first introduction to how a, a man should treat a, a woman. You know, right. thank God that I didn't turn out to be like them, but I could have easily. Yeah. Because that's what you're, that's what you're witnessing every single day. Exactly. And even with that thinking of if she met a woman like that, who then she would be easy to please, so he thinks. But <laughs> but then it also comes with more stuff. Like after being through such an experience, if she meets mm-hmm. a better man, her self-esteem and her mental health is so depleted and her sense of worth that she probably would be that person where, hey, babe, where should we go eat? Oh, no, you decide. Mm. And like doesn't trust that can have a voice That's and then if you're a man who's looking to be challenged he wants a partner that person can be a partner because she is being programmed to do the least possible not to get hit so now she's in a situation i'm gonna try to she, stay out of your way yes like i'll do whatever you want just i want peace until she gets yeah. she walks through that and then that would be the man saying I don't know, <laughs> right? I want somebody who can da 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 da. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, then the other ways, or the kids who grew up in that household, there's gonna be one because we know hard people hurt others. There's gonna be mm-hmm. one who grows up to be exactly like daddy, because for whatever reason, that's what was modeled. Maybe he looked up to his dad in a really flawed way, and this is his way of pleasing him. Then it's gonna be one who wants to do be nothing like their father who wants mm. to be the best they can be but that is still within them that they're fighting something they become overachievers yeah. to mask that so that would be the one who is overdoing something mm-hmm. you you did for one day and they buy you a car the next day because <laughs> <laughs> right and then you are perceiving it from your own eyes oh my god this dude is up to no good psycho yeah cycle because from your experience that's what that it represents and his mm-hmm. experience to be a better man is to do everything that he never saw his dad do for his mother mm. and then you both stay in these little corners and if you're both in your emotional mind I just gave this woman the best gift ever and my mother would never have gotten that and she was being beat every day and all she has to say is I'm psycho and then you over here like what the hell's wrong with this dude we've only did it for six months and now he wants to build a house and all of that and nobody ever comes in that's the part I was trying to bring together so we're conversation yeah so we're all perceiving in the lens of our experience you know traumas um 
unhealed or healed. And then when we don't bring that to the table in a wise mind way, that's when we're like, okay, we're done. Take your car. And then he's going, what am I doing wrong? I must be a loser too. Or... <laughs> and then he goes on to the next relationship. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take it back a little. Not a car this time. I'll just buy her <laughs> flowers every day. He's like, what the I don't even like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and so until he stops, and what is my why behind my behavior? Mm. Um I had somebody say that they they give their exes service when they when when they break up, like <laughs> they do a survey. You know that's not a bad idea, right? Honestly. Like talk about like, healing. It's like, hey, can you give me feedback? Like an exit interview. Exit interview. Sorry. How was I as a girlfriend? What's my crazy? Because we all have our blind spots. It's always him, right? right? Like, hey, exit interview. How was I as a girlfriend? How would you rate this But I think you would have to wait, you know, like after the heart is over so they can be... Or maybe you do a pre and a post. Yeah. 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 I think so. I mean, I I think that exes make the best friends because they know you, you know. Well, it depends why they're exes. Right, that's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) If it ended amicably you right know, then definitely keep him around <laughs> well why is um uh, never mind oh my gosh <laughs> it's gone wow, people word uh, of the day there's judy's advice for the day that's what i was looking yeah, for there you go keep your exes In, around uh, get them around they might be next no i'm kidding what? <laughs> Okay then. My apologies. <laughs> I feel like we're high right now. The comments are happening. Um, well, thank you so much, Tabby. Anytime. <laughs> it's always fun because it feels like I'm of. just talking to you. I don't have to put on a face or a mask of professional. You don't feel like your imposter syndrome is coming through right now. Not really. No. I will. I will <laughs> listen really, to this. No. <laughs> I will not listen to this. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's so messed up. You really, you know what? You should start doing that. I challenge you to do that because Someday. I feel like there's, yeah, that's part of your healing process. Oh, right? yeah. You're facing, yeah, yeah. Let me be the therapist for us. Please. <laughs> no, but really, you should you should try and do it. Um, you might yeah. find that it's not even as bad as you you imagine it to be. Oh, well, of course. I mean, the, there's a reason I keep getting called back. My third time this at IPU, is true. Well, not, it, uh, it wasn't that bad the first time. If you want me back, um, yeah, I have a lot of uh, things to work through. It's an ongoing process, but that's not on top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> when I get there, I I'll get there. Appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I will once I oh. I get a yeah some things off the table. I think the biggest one was to really start that BCT thing. It had been in the back of my to-do list and I was thinking I need a perfect platform and a good time and whatever, whatever, all the things we rationalize and put in place to escape. Right. Um, So just jumping in and I didn't even know how to use Instagram. Literally the (laughs) the first episode, it was the time and I'm like, shoot. How do I go live? <laughs> it was like one minute left. Siri, how do I go live on Instagram? Yeah, so no. Uh, I got those around. So I was like, hey, can you, can you help me go live? But that's the thing. Like, if there's the imposter syndrome, what that will do, the fear, the um, thoughts, they will stop you from doing something by making up reasons why. But ask, keep you asking yourself, why why not what what's the real thing why am i afraid of this like what is the real until you get to the root cause yeah so start your thing be like judy you got ipu oh, wow. going no for real that's not so convincing yeah be like judy no i thank you this thank has you been see there it is there it is See, yeah. I called myself. Ah, I'm operating from my wise mind. I will send my bill. My job is done here. <laughs> I bought you Starbucks. Thank you mm-hmm. for the free therapy. You mean Tim Hortons? 
No, we got Starbucks here too. <laughs> Don't hate. Do not hate. Tim is, you know what though? Tim is in Canada is so much better than the U.S. I will say that. For real. Eh. <laughs> Listen, your president is Trump, so you can't really. I can't. Exactly. <laughs> That'll shut down any conversation. <laughs> wow. But, Again, this has been so much fun. Um, thank you for allowing me to have free therapy on air, just airing out my dirty laundry. But I, I hope that, you know, somebody can relate to what we were talking about today. And every Thursday at 7 p.m., she is live on YouTube. BTT, it goes down. You can actually even um, go live with her if you have questions. So I encourage every single person that's listening to this to tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. She will start your healing process. And she can continue it, you know, for a charge, obviously. You know, nothing's free. Um, but hit her up and please tell the people your Instagram handle, your Twitter, all of that, how they can get in touch with you. All of it is the same thing. Tabitha Mamira, T-A-B-I-T-H-A-M-P-A. M I R A. Um, all my profiles are public. Um, yeah, and my YouTube channel, same thing. YouTube.com forward slash Tabitha Mamira. Boom. And Boom. also tell them to tune into your TEDx talk. Right? Oh, what yeah. is it called? I, I moved that into my on my channel too, so you can see that. Um, yeah, subscribe, share, come through. Let's be friends. I'm always posting some um quotes about things mental health um that uh could be inspiring <laughs> i don't know why she's laughing listen oh y'all we're doing this at 8 p.m after a full day of work so forgive us <laughs> for not sounding as profesh as we should but the it's information is legit the information is legit <laughs> we know what we're talking about i promise yeah Part of our escape Ish. too. We've never been able to have a serious conversation about real stuff. We make a joke I so see. we can alleviate some of the discomfort. Um, so it's more socially acceptable way of avoidance, but it's, it's so surreal. Wow. <laughs> this got dark. Real awareness. Awareness. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in um, every week. We appreciate your support and continue tuning in. Every Monday, we release a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. You've been listening to IPU Podcast. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another inspiring story. Follow your passion. It will lead you to your purpose. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.